0: Hello and welcome to this new episode of the Divine Comedians podcast. I'm your host, Paula Wiseman, and today I'm lucky enough to be chatting with actor, comedian and legend, Mr Paul Putner. So hey, Paul, thanks for chatting with me today.
1: Oh, hello. Hello. Legend. Well, I I won't go quite as far as to say that.
0: I think you're a legend anyway. (laughs) Oh,
1: well, thank you very much.
0: No. So let's start off by going back in time. What was what was young Paul like? What were you like as a kid? Were you... I'm guessing you were kind of quite an outgoing kid?
1: Yeah, sort of. I think the thing thing with me, when I mean, if we're going back to, like, primary school time, I was very much the kid in the playground who would be... I, I had friends, but quite often I would be walking around on my own, talking to myself, um, doing... Speaking in tongues, silly voices, making noises. I mean, my brothers, one of his best mates, said, we just, I used to think, who's this weird kid going around the playground Game, and <laughs> all of this. I, I, so I used to create these imaginary worlds, and with a couple of friends, that they would be drawn into it, and I mean, we'd pretend to be uh, Doctor Who, or, or, yeah. or Flash Gordon, or James Bond, or, or the, the Hulk. Frankenstein's monster or or, or whatever um but so I used to play a lot of imaginary games so yeah the garden shed was a TARDIS and etc or 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 some kind of portal into another world and um yeah and and at school I was um quite popular because I I was I used to do a lot of um like assemblies putting on shows and uh and I, I mean, at primary school, I remember once they had a Christmas show, and I, I got up on stage and I sang Rockin' Robin," um, dressed up like a little teddy boy. You know, this isn't Aww. even the, this isn't the Michael Jackson version; the, the, the original '50s version. And and I remember once doing um, a really long sketch which involved head transplant, <laughs> which was which was a, a kid lying under a sheet. And I had a different horror mask I'd put on him, and I'd cover him up, and I'd put it on quickly and take it off. And I remember having my very first constructive criticism in the toilets. No! After the show. I must have been about nine or eight. And this guy said, yeah, it was very funny. It just went on far too long. (laughs) Far too long.
0: Not what you want to hear as a (laughs) nine-year-old.
1: Yeah. I wish someone told French and Saunders that with some of their sketches, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where was that little kid in the toilets with them um no so I was I was doing all that kind of caper and um puppet shows uh, or me used to go on school camps and wow fucking about like that so yeah I suppose was I the class clown I don't know I don't know the class human cannonball maybe.
0: <laughs> so I mean where did it come from did you was there any kind of in, anything in the family were your parents kind of oh. gifted in that way
1: not really. My, my mum, it, she was very much into uh, the movies and, uh, and, and musicals and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. She, wasn't, um, she did, in fact, work in the 50s for ABC television uh, with Verity Lambert, of course, the famous producer who gave us Doctor Who and many others. Um, so that was her connection. But then she met my dad in the late 50s and he is, uh, was a physicist, Oh wow! And, and so they, they got together and then moved away from London to Crawley, uh, to Crawley and then to um, East Grinstead, Sussex. And my mum went into a different field and and and, and that was that. But uh, yeah, she was so. I suppose from her, I definitely got the the, the, the going to the cinema and, and, and films. And my dad, he loved comedy and had all the albums uh, like Tony Hancock and the Goons. So he would play me a lot of these round the horn, Bob Newhart. Yeah, these sort. Victor Borg was another one he liked. So I had, that was my education in in that respect. Um, but why that made me that little kid would walk around the playground going, <laughs> don't, I don't know. I watched a lot of television, read yeah. a lot of comics, and went to the cinema from quite a young age. So I was very much stimulated by yeah. all of it. I suppose, uh, and if we're going to go really far back, I did have an uncle who was in the music hall. Oh, wow. And, and he was, um, his name was William Putner, but his stage name was Sidney Carlton. And it's, he used to do like musical comedy and would be on the bill with all these famous old names. And I've got some amazing photographs from that era and a, and a picture of him. In a in a bib and tucker and a, a top hat, and yeah, it really looks like me. Wow. And I just think, wow. I wonder what he'd make of
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Making but me. All they these... say
0: these things come through the jeans, don't they? So you, they you, you've obviously it's come through somehow. I,
1: but I don't think I'll ever stay in a bed sitting in Battersea, which is where he <laughs> met his where he met his fate. Apparently, after a gig, he he. Um, he got pneumonia from sleeping in a damp bed in, in a damp bed set in, oh my in God. Battersea. Never going to stay in that part of the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's all pretty upper class around Battersea now, isn't it? It's all, uh, you know, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah,
1: yeah. hoi polloi. So that's, that's the past, I suppose. Yeah. Whether um, I got any of William's genes, I don't know. But certainly from my parents, saturated with yeah. TV and film and comedy.
0: Yeah. So I mean this is the thing everyone thinks you're this like a bit of a cockney geezer but you know you're no. you're, from, you're from
1: West Sussex like me I'm from <laughs> I'm from Bogner. Yeah. I'm from Bugborough I'm a total total, total <laughs> no I think the the thing is with me is my parents uh, were Londoners, Londoners. yeah because that was the overspill wasn't it from Yeah exactly the, the the 50s and I think I get a pick up a, a Bit of their accents, even though it, it, it might they do. My mum particularly has a telephone voice, you know. Occasionally, she'll sound like Barbara Windsor. She even <laughs> looks, a bit like, she looks a bit like Barbara Windsor, but oh, yeah, my, my accent is very mercurial, goes all over the place from uh, yeah, lazy off London to suddenly sounding a bit like an actor. And,
0: <laughs> That's yeah. the thing, it's all part of being an actor, isn't it? You know, that you can wear these different hats and you know,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So what what was the, the grand plan when you left school? What what was the dream? I know you went to Lambda. Right. What was the dream to, to go to theatre? Or did you have a well, quite
1: you set know, TV, Or When I went to see my careers advisor um, in the early 80s, I wasn't quite sure what I think really... I, I mean, I was doing all the, the, the school plays and stuff like that. But for some reason, I... Was hiding it under a bushel for some yeah. reason. I, I wanted to um, had this notion of being a, a scuba diver, <laughs> and, I, and I said to my career, "I said, what what can I do which involves diving and going underwater?" And he said, "I don't know painting <laughs> oil rigs or something." This is a marine biologist. You don't really excel at science, Paul. So, but I, you know what. I think that you're rather good in those jolly school plays I see. Wow. Here. So he said, I'm going to recommend, um, there's a course that we're doing down in Paulborough in Sussex, uh, a place called Lodge Hill, which did these drama courses. I know it well. You know it well. I know it very well. So when I was, I was about 82, I was about 16. He said, go, go down there, see, see what you make of that, and then maybe we can think about applying for Chichester College. Mm. of technology i think it's probably chichester university yeah. and there was a course there um which um i did apply for and got in but i had some family issues so i stayed back another year and then i went to chichester college and did film and drama um but you see i still had this thing though which was creative nothing to do with um scuba diving yeah but i was Because I really was into my horror movies. Yeah. And I loved all the special effects, which at that period in the late 70s, early 80s, were really coming into their own. And I wanted to do special effects makeup. And again, I looked into that. There was a magazine called Fangoria, which dealt with horror movies. And they had a makeup course. At the, on the back pages called the Joe Blasco <laughs> special effects in you know, wherever in Orlando. And I, and it was something like a thousand pounds a term, which oh, was a wow. lot of money then. And I, and I looked into this and again, the, I'd spoke, I, th- I think I went back to my, yeah, to my careers advisor and said, and he said, well, you know, I looked into it. He says, it's, he says, you should be playing the monsters really. He said, it's a lot of science involved, a yeah. lot of chemistry. It's not just drawing a picture, and it's not yeah, just making a mask. You know, you, it, it's a very technical um, profession, and uh, yeah. So I, I did see the light in football Who am I kidding? You know, I'm a turn. I'm an actor. I'm a that. That's what I do. So I did, um, yeah. Go on Chichester College uh, in 1983, and then was lucky enough to get into Lambda. Yeah, yeah. The London Academy, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, where they obviously didn't teach me diction very well. <laughs> so I only went up for two, which was RADA and Lambda. And um, I got recall for both. And I turned up for my RADA recall, dressed. I mean, I turned up for my Lambda recall, because I was really into Madness and Two-Tone and... So I was all dressed like a skinhead and my crombie and my, and my big boots. And I remember yeah. having smoking a cigar <laughs> and I had my shaved head. And I used to wear the little Chaz Smash mirrored glasses. But they were prescription ones. So it's not like I could take them off. And I turned up for my rider, one, uh, rider audition <laughs> wearing these. And they said, look, you're going to have to take them off <laughs> I, <was sorry. laughs> I couldn't see anything and uh, it went all right but then I said and they said have you applied anywhere else and I just learned I got into Lambda so that I oh, will let him have him so well so their loss their loss obviously
0: was, oh, was Lambda's yeah.
1: Well, game yeah I did a three-year stretch in, in Earl's Court at Lambda kicked off yeah really from 88 onwards I was a professional I found found, found my first wage packet the other day. Oh, right. A little brown envelope. Yeah. um, Yeah. From, it was early 89. I did six months at the Pit Lockery Festival Theatre, where they say, stay six days and see six plays. And uh, so I was just an ASM, uh, assistant stage manager up there, acting stage manager, I can't remember, so long ago. And yeah, I found this little wage packet and, yeah. It's not a lot of money. <laughs> I'm still, I still kept it though. My first professional engagement.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what was the, what was the dream? Did you, were, were you aiming at theatre or, you know, what was the, or were you just happy to be doing whatever came along?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if I'm honest, I think I really, I, if I'm absolutely honest, I wanted to be on TV. And I wanted to make movies. I loved doing theatre, but that was what what my goal was.
0: Yeah.
1: And because uh, I, I I remember really screwing up a, a meeting with an, an agent when I revealed that, um, and there was another actor who'd sat in with the the interview, and he was going, "What? What? <laughs> what do you mean? Theatre is the the." the the calling for an actor, why don't you want to do that? You know, you philistine and I'm sort of going, well, no, I still like theatre, but you put it at the bottom of your list. It's unthinkable. And I was going, well, no, it's just, well, you just do the same thing every night. And I would get bored after six months. It is never the same performance every night. You're always learning. And, and I, I know what he means. Yeah. And he, he was right. Uh, But now I just, yeah, anything that comes along. But I haven't done a great deal of theatre to put Hmm. me on that kind of list, really. The the opportunity to do theatre very rarely comes along because I've never played that game. Yeah. I've always done more TV, really.
0: Yeah. Well, it it could be something for, you know, 20 years' time. You'll be like, oh, I think I'm going to be a theatre lovey now, you know, and just go and head the ball. Who knows?
1: I think as you get older, it becomes a bit more scary as well. Yeah, definitely. That's why I remember Anthony Hopkins, when he saw his name and the premiere in lights for Silence of the Lambs, they um, said, what do you think when you see that? He, he says, the monkey's off my back. I <laughs> I don't have to do bloody theatre anymore. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying, you know.
0: That's yeah. why a lot of them
1: get you. I mean... Michael Caine, Roger Moore, all of those people. I think that was why they wanted to do film yeah, and television. Yeah. They never didn't want to do theatre. But no, I do, I do, when you're in a good play, there is nothing like it, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you were born to be on the stage though, obviously. So, oh, I mean, well. you, you set up this, this comedy club with Steve First
1: yeah, and, yeah. Uh,
0: many moons ago and Oliver Darley, the, the Regency Rooms. How did that come about? Uh, were you doing stand up already at that time? Yeah, yeah.
1: I I I left left drama school. Yeah, in 88. Um I was a character actor. Couldn't really get a footing for the sort of parts I wanted. It was going to take a while. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And I and I always liked stand up comedy, and and used to go and see a lot of the comedy clubs in you know go along in in the late eighties and nineties you know, and see the the likes of the late Sean Locke and and Joe Brand when she was a sea monster and Harry Hill and and, um, Sean Hughes, again, another guy we lost, sad, and and, and all these brilliant, Eddie Izzard, all these brilliant comedians. Yeah. And Paul Merton. I got into that and it moved quite quickly for me, I have to say, and I did, and I was doing it with Matt Lucas who I'd met on a comedy course. Right. But I found that even though it was going well and I was already doing a full spot at the comedy store and a couple of other places quite early on in my career, I was lucky, hmm. but I put a lot of work into it. Well, I found that, again, a bit scary and I preferred working with other people. Yeah. So there used to be a club in West Hampstead, at the White Horse Pub, which is gone now, Um, I think the pub's still there but it's flats or something and there used to be a club a guy called Kevin Anderson a Scottish guy used to run called uh, the VD clinic on a Sunday where we do open spots yeah yeah and a whole gang of people used to go down and me Matt Lucas uh, a a comedy group called the ornate Johnsons Joe Caulfield who went on to marry Kevin Anderson uh, and a, a load of other people. And, and you get some you know, Skinner and Bedil used to come down to see shows, Vic and Bob. It was a really great Sunday nights. And I'd be, I'd do it every couple of weeks. Yeah. And there I met uh, Steve first and uh, Mike uh, Lee, not the film director, his mate. And they were doing their uh, shows up in Edinburgh. And they had this idea that they always wanted to do a, a supper cabaret show but in sort of in that period of the late 60s early yeah. 70s it's a bit kind of pre-Phoenix Nights the idea they had but less sort of northern working man's yeah. club yeah.
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: more like chicken in a basket um but no actually I tell a lie not chicken in a basket more a little bit more sophisticated exactly yeah, yeah. So we wanted to capture that um uh, Frankie Vaughan vibe, the, 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 the that lounge music scene was was coming up at the time yeah. with Mike Flowers Pops and, yeah. and, and, and the clubs like Smashing, Club Smashing, Blow Up. And so there was a bit of a scene. There was the Sound Gallery album. So that kind of early 70s, late 60s music, easy listening stuff was, was very popular and it kind of tied in with this, this club he wanted to do. And Steve, uh, he had Lenny Beige as yeah. the character, so he was going to host it, but wanted some other characters around him. So Mike played um, Sammy Beige, his sort of manager brother, and I played Charlie, <clears throat> Charlie Vag, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who, who was his minder and used to press his trousers and his chauffeur, who was like a punch drunk, yeah, yeah. Um, limping uh, minder. And I played another character called Frankie Tan, who was uh, Lenny Beige's ex-double-act partner who'd fallen on hard times. I played loads of characters in that show. I was French illusionist Jacques Sabbath. (laughs) I I was... um, Oh, what was the other ones? I was Mercedes Pazuzu, which was this (laughs) weird kind of... uh, um, Regan from The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. Creature. (laughs) Where I'd oh come out to with my plastic tongue flapping <laughs> away and with flaming spoons, I remember it was very dada. I'd Kim Piccolo, which was another weird thing. <laughs> where I'd come on with a doll, which I'd put an electric drill on its head and it would spin round. I was Minky and Mimo, which was a double act where we would do um, a mime act, but we would literally act out all the mimes. So we had a real plastic box. And, <laughs> That we pretend to be in, tracked in, and be pushing a real balloon and yeah, yeah. all this stupid stuff. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else. And we had a, it was amazing, brilliant nights because they'd have a fantastic house band. And we'd get all these guests f- from the pop world that would come along and do a number. We had uh, Leo Sayer, Lionel Blair, uh, Suggs, Robbie Williams, the Wombles, um, <laughs> Dean <laughs> Friedman. No, Terry Wogan came along once. Chas and Dave, it was a brilliant those days. We had a really nice run, I'd say, from ninety five to about ninety eight, and then yeah, we wound it up. But we'd, occasionally they they do a, the odd Regency Rooms night. They're they're great fun.
0: Yeah, I know Steve still does a lot of stuff in the uh, the, the Museum of Comedy, and uh, he does various nights. Down oh, there, yeah, with, with he, Len- doing Lenny and stuff, you know.
1: Yeah, Lenny still lives. and I don't really do Frankie so much now. It, it's, it's a lot of effort, really. <laughs> <laughs> it has, it's so prop heavy and such yeah. a high-maintenance thing. And the weird thing is, when I first did Frankie in the mid-90s, I was coming out on stage as a, a, a young man, a man who was 30, going, ha, ha, ha look at this bloke. Imagine from the mid seventies he was still doing the same act, and then I realised when I last did him, I thought I'm Frankie Tan now <laughs> because I'm still doing the same act from nineteen ninety six or you, whenever. You've aged. You've aged to his. Uh... Yes, in twenty sixteen. So it really was pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's a bit like the whole uh, Graham Fellows and uh, John Shuttleworth. I think when he said yeah. when he when he started, he was this young man. You know, sort of how yeah. to age himself up, and now he's John's age, and it's kind of come yeah. full come full circle.
1: And and it's it's funny how um, Steve Coogan with Adam Partridge, you, you see yeah. when, they, when he did a, this time, he's actually the correct age. <laughs> yes. Just watching, knowing me, knowing you, it, it's striking how young he looks. Because you think, why are you, why are you being like this sort of? Alan Titchmarsh figure when, or, or Terry Rogan figure, and yeah, really, yeah. you, you know, you, you do look like a man who's 30.
0: <laughs> yeah. You were obviously doing a lot of networking back then, and you obviously met, you met a lot of people. Um, so, yeah. I mean, how did the, the TV stuff begin? I mean, I know, I think my first memory of you, my first proper memory of you is Liam Herrings this morning with right. Richard, not Judy, the Curious Orange. How did the the TV aspect of your career start going from stand-up?
1: Well, the first kind of proper job, proper comedy job that came my way was in 93 or 94. I I can't remember. You'll have to check. Uh, Which was the... No, it would have been 94. And it was the Glam Metal Detectives, which was a Peter Richardson who was you know, the brains behind the comic strip oh, present.
0: Yeah.
1: And Peter Richardson had directed me in a one of those Philadelphia cream cheese commercials. Do you remember the ones with <laughs> yeah. Sarah Crow and Anne Bryson? Philadelphia. And I was in one of those commercials playing a silly waiter. He yeah. He liked what I did and said, did I want to be part of the ensemble for this crazy new series? That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And that was uh, an amazing first job to do for property. I mean, I've done things like the bill and crocodile shoes. And, and But that for comedy wise, that was my first big gig because adverts. I did a lot of adverts in yeah. the 90s. I am so going to hell. <laughs> but it, it, it did mean that I didn't have to wait on tables and and I can stop doing my paper round delivering the Camden New Journal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them are on YouTube now, so if you want to check out Paul's,
1: <laughs> oh, <God, laughs> Paul's no,
0: advert no. work. Well,
1: funnily enough, there was one specific advert I made around that time for uh, a, a popular orange carbonated drink. <laughs> but, no, it was an a- apple, actually. No, it was for a Tango commercial. And when I went up for it, I thought, oh, no, this is I'm going to get this one. It's so embarrassing. And I did get it. And we we filmed this commercial and it went on to win a couple of awards in the end. And it's a bit very silly, really embarrassing for me to do. But Richard Herring saw it at the cinema and he said it brought the house down. And then I he used to be a regular at the Regency rooms. Mm. And just came up to me and said, I'm doing a play in Edinburgh soon. Wow. Punk's Not Dead. Uh, Would you like to be in it? Because, you know, I know you like your music. And so, yeah, so I was in that. And then a couple of years later, I got to know Stuart, obviously through Richard. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, I said, do you want to do This Morning with Richard, Not Judy? And so that was it. And the Curious Orange and... Peter Gibbs <laughs> and whoever was born. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that,
0: did you have much input into the Curious Orange? or Did they they kind of say to you, "This is what we want"? And
1: you I, did do it know what? Me. We used to do tryouts down at, at Battersea Arts Centre to to test the the script for the show. And this is before I before we actually even were recording them. And the Curious Orange. Obviously, I didn't have the prop head made for them. <laughs> so it used to be me in an orange unitard with an orange face. So I was literally the curious orange, the colour. Really. Oh, my God. Because that's all we had. And I'd be rolling around on the, on the dusty theatre floor. And I think maybe some stuff came out of that. I can't remember. I mean, they Obviously, they wrote it. and Yeah. And, um, and I might have chipped in a, a few ideas during rehearsals. Uh, but uh, I, I can't remember why, how it got to where it ended up. Because <laughs> it just started off as, as him just being a little bit kind of um.
0: Yeah, just asking, and... ask, asking really stupid questions. Yeah. And then He ended yeah, up as like Davros and that, you know, that's all, right. I don't, all I, kinds I'm of weird not, stuff.
1: I'm not quite sure how we got from A to B. <laughs> like that. Maybe I just did an impression one day and, and and one of them said, oh, we'll have to put that in.
0: <laughs> an impression yeah, of was... a Dalek.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure something like that would have come along in, <laughs> in the rehearsals.
0: Uh, Doctor Who is obviously calling, you know, maybe one maybe one day. Um, yeah. Your body of work is seriously vast. I mean, you've got one of those, I mean this in, this in the nicest possible way, you've got one of those faces that people mm. recognize, do you know what I mean? You're, you're a very well known face, I mean, punchable. You, you, I mean, <laughs> you've done everything, you know. Call the midwife, uh, let's see what we've got the bill, black books, plebs. You've done loads of stuff with Kevin Eldon, the actor Kevin Eldon, I should say. Yeah. Um, spaced, I mean, it's you know, you've, you've done everything, you know, bit of serious, bit of comedy. Um, I know it's, yeah. really, it's a hard question to answer. But, I mean, do you have any kind of favourites looking back on your career? Have you any kind of had any favourite
1: shows and things you've worked on? Um, oh, it, is, it is difficult because you, you get something out of each one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, one job I really enjoyed doing was a radio job um, called Nebulous. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, written by Graham Duff, who wrote uh, Dr Terrible's House of Horrible... Uh, the Steve Coogan thing and yeah. um, Ideal, the Johnny Vegas yeah sitcom, and it was with Mark Gatiss and um, David Warner and Rosie Cavaliero, and it was just I don't know what it was about that job. It was so much fun. Yeah, uh, radio was always a lot easier as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the thing. It's just the voice, isn't it? You know, you haven't got yeah. to just turn up yeah, you and o- or-
1: <laughs> You can overact. You don't have to learn your lines. You can look like shit. And and it was a particularly fun job. I did like doing that. Obviously, I've got a lot of fondness for Little Britain. Yeah, yeah. Particularly doing the tour, Little Britain Live. We did nearly 250 shows, and I felt like a rock star. Or, or yeah. I felt like a, a session guitarist in a rock band. But it was still just going on stage, and just thousands of people just... <laughs> you know, it, that, that was a real buzz, and i travelled. travel... All around the country, yeah. Went, went all around the the coast of Australia. It was just that was a dream job, and working with Matt and Dave, the lovely guys, and yeah, and, and Samantha, who was on that uh, tour. It was just brilliant. Everyone, the crew, I just I loved that that gig. Um, and obviously, yeah, and and working with Leon Herring, you know, yeah. can, I've been yeah. very lucky to work with some brilliant people, Kevin Eldon, of course. Uh, so it's all it's all been all been marvellous, starting. Well, marvellous. I know it, I know it's like, I can't, I'm p- probably should tell you what jobs I haven't enjoyed doing.
0: <laughs> should we go down that road?
1: <laughs> I think some of them I enjoyed doing drama, but it's you, you can't fall back on your old bag of tricks.
0: Yeah, I mean and jobs very, like the bill. Do you know what I mean? It's it's something for the CV and like Holby, obviously
1: as well. Holby, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everyone's either done Holby or Casualty. Do you not know I mean it's well. You see, the thing is, with
1: the, with the bill, it, it was a shame that that went because it was almost like the, the equivalent of repertory theatre for aspiring actors, Well, maybe doctors has taken over that role. Yeah, now. yeah,
0: maybe. I, I
1: know they use it as a as a kind of training ground for writers, doctors. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where they you know people cut their teeth, and I think that with the bill, it was a similar thing. Mm. But there was so much work. I mean, I did the bill about four times as different characters.
0: Yeah, <laughs> That's the beauty of it, isn't it? You know, you, you hear, like, you see, even in Doctors now, they have the odd kind of celebrity guest coming in and playing, you know, yeah. some mad patient that's had some bizarre accident, you know.
1: That's right. Or or some ageing actor. There's always a scene in Doctors. <laughs> yes. where they're sat on the edge of their bed looking at a picture of their late wife or looking at medals, isn't there? Yeah. Come on, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) There's always a scene like that. Um, But good luck to I I would be very nervous about going into a soap. Yeah. Because you're only associated with one character. That must be quite hard for um, those actors who have been in it for years and years and years.
0: Yeah. I mean, even people that start in soaps. You know, mm. you're, you're. It's like Ken Barlow. Do you know what I mean? If you saw Ken Barlow in any other in, in any other thing, you'd be like, "Oh, it's Ken Barlow. What's he doing?" Do you know what I mean? In The Rover's Return or whatever. You know. Yeah, I remember
1: weird. years ago, I was doing a, a sitcom with Bill Jupitus and Pauline McLynn. It was um, Dark Ages with we a very very young Sheridan Smith. Oh wow yeah and that was a it was an alistair mcgowan, yeah and it was set in the dark ages it was yeah, dark ages and it was set it was we made it before the millennium turned, mm. so it was set in nine hundred and ninety nine a d Rob grant the red dwarf oh, red right. dwarf yeah and it was shot up in granada and I remember going into the uh the reception and there was a uh, next there was a corridor with a with a row of lockers like you'd see in a high school and Scratches on them and dented, you know, just manky old factory lockers. I'm yeah, just yeah. seeing William Roach <laughs> wander in, get his key, unlock it, no. get a, some sandwiches and a paperback book. And I thought that's the reality. Yeah, <laughs> of he has to come here to this it up. drafty municipal-looking building to do the. You know, you might see him in his. In his tux on the red carpet at the ITV awards, but the, he spends every day, and he has done for the past half a century, getting his sandwiches out of that locker. And yeah, it, it must be a uh,
0: soul destroying. <laughs> <laughs> all, but,
1: but what a what you know. But he's been in work for all that time.
0: Well, he's getting well paid for doing it as well. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Those,
1: those <laughs> druid robes don't pay for themselves. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I mean, you know, talk about that. I mean, you've you've worked with everybody. You know, uh, uh, Kevin, obviously, Matt Lucas, and David Williams, Peter yeah. Serafinovitz You've worked with. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: Oh, that was that was brilliant. Alexis yeah.
0: Sale. I mean, all the greats. Lexi, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, is there anybody that you'd still love to work with that you maybe you haven't? And you kind of, oh, One day, one day.
1: Oh, no, that's a good question. Now, I've got to think, you can't have dead people, can you? You, you, no, you can have the ghost, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> who, who would I like? That's a really good question. And I'm going to have to think about this. I have been very lucky because I've...
0: Exactly. You've worked with everybody, you know, everybody. You know, looking at your I, CV, I, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm trying to think. I would, I, I would quite like to work with um, Peter Kay. Mm. um i've never worked I've, I've met peter but i that it'd be great to do something with him but i think he's it's a more northern based isn't it
0: but you know <laughs> being stuff. an actor i'm sure a northern you know northern accent well i nearly had
1: a chance to work with him actually when he was doing that danny baker um drama the biopic you remember oh, yeah. Was, yeah yeah I, I was up for a part in that but i didn't get it um I don't know, really. then um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to work. You see, I've worked. I think, oh, Matt Berry. I've worked with Matt Berry. What am I talking about? <laughs> a of of I love um, Morgana. Yes. Oh,
0: she's amazing.
1: Yeah. She. I think she's brilliant. Brilliant. I'd love to work with her. Um. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put, we'll put some vibes out for Morgana
0: to. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you Need to get do some work with um hmm. So, I mean, sort of looking back on your career, I mean, if you had to choose between, you know, going back to your stand-up days or the TV stuff, I mean, hmm. do, would you say you you have a preference? I mean, I'm assuming the TV stuff kind of wins wins every day, you know.
1: Well, it certainly puts money it on the puts money in the <laughs> money in your pocket. Puts when money when, in the when you get theater. it, <laughs> yeah. Um, what I. I Yes, obviously you get a buzz with... with I tell you what, with, with stand-up, you have much more agency. You're able to write your own
0: yeah.
1: stuff. And you you live and die by what you present on yeah. stage. I'd done um, some one-man shows which were sort of stand-up. Mm. One was a character. I did a character called Earl Stevens, um, and I took a show up, and that was yeah very empowering to do that because it was mine.
0: yeah, exactly.
1: and I, and I love doing that. And I did one a couple of years ago, which was more spoken word it was an autobiographical uh, which again, it was all all my own work, so mm. that is very gratifying in that respect. and it is it is more exciting, I suppose. TV, like I said talking about Bill Roach again, you know, the actual reality of it yeah um it's not it's all quite, a lot. <laughs> well, it's quite a lot of hanging around
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: sitting in a trailer eating junk food <laughs> and pl- playing Angry Birds 2 on your yeah, phone yeah
0: yeah
1: but the sad thing is I, the tv jobs I've done recently during um covid years it's even hard more it's more hard now because you don't you because you can't socialize quite like you yeah, used to I mean, yeah, hopefully yeah. this is going to go back to some kind of normality but like we're doing call the midwife you know we're all masked up for most of the time oh, and then wow. when it came to, came to catering you had to sit on your own and in your winnie bago and eat your you know your chicken and <laughs> peas and then you couldn't really chat too much or yeah. get too near each other so all that schmoozing at lunch and 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 telling anecdotes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> over yeah. A cup of tea. That, was, that wasn't really there. And so, everything yeah. was a kick-bollock scrambles. We've got to get it yeah. done. We've got to get it done Yeah, now. Because yeah. yeah. there was so much faffing around because yeah. of COVID. But hopefully we've come out the other end of that now and yeah. um, we can soldier on.
0: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, what was lockdown like for you as a performer? I mean, was it just, you know, tumbleweed? I mean, what were you doing? Were you doing stuff? Um, I did, I, did,
1: did I mean, like Call the Midwife gig yeah. came up Yeah. then. Um, I did uh, some radio, uh, an ad a radio commercial. But, yeah, it was a lot of um, twiddling thumbs, really, because yeah. everything had shut down. And the other thing, of course, because everything had shut down in theatre and not so many productions were going on, just meant there was a lot more available actors. So what work was going round was a lot more competition. Yeah. You've probably found this with podcasts. Now that, that it's much more com- competitive, yeah. When there's every actor went, Oh, I've got no work going on, I'm gonna start my own podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's quite galling, really, isn't it? Yeah, and get yeah, people yeah. To produce it, you know. So yeah, it, it was so yeah, it was quite and, and I'll tell you what, I'm not gonna you, you hear these interviews with people going, well, I, I went away and I, um, I just had to do something and I wrote um, this wonderful album, the lockdown album, and, or I went away and I painted all these pictures or I finally finished that bloody novel. I didn't do any of that. I, I, just, I just didn't feel particularly creative, yeah. I have to say,
0: yeah. yeah. over
1: the last 18 months. It's coming back now, but for some reason I, I found it quite hard to concentrate.
0: Mm. Yeah, Which, it kind of yeah. sapping sap a lot of people's creativity, you know, over yeah. lockdown. But and then people kind of come back from it and don't really know what to do with themselves after. It's weird to get back into, yes, you
1: know, normal. I thought, do I should I do I want to put because I want. I tell you what, I wanted to do my my madness show, my one man show. Yeah, uh, and then COVID came along, and it kind of knocked the wind out my sails a bit, really. So yeah, I wasn't no, I wasn't that creative. in 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 any in any way to make money it's a lot of drawing though
0: yeah yeah now you're back paul now you're back um (laughs) have you ever been a nervous performer i've spoken to a lot of stand-ups who you know before they get on stage before they they do what they do there's this kind of nervous i mean i don't know if it's a nervous energy you'd call it but have have you ever had have you ever suffered oh no
1: yeah yeah terrible um it comes and goes. It, as we were saying a while back, as you get older, it gets harder. Yeah. Because you're when you're younger, you seem to be more fearless. You don't mm. realise you're not as self-conscious in, in that way. You are socially, maybe. Yeah. But on stage, you know, it's look at me and I can do everything. Exactly. And then you start to have self-doubt. Um doing stand-up, I did find that quite nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. I also found booking the gigs quite nerve-wracking. Um, but once I got up there and you get your first laugh, then it's fine. You're, you you yeah. become someone else. But, yeah, oh, God, how long I would spend in the toilet in these grotty pubs in South London before going on stage. I'd be so, oh, God, yeah, it was, it was very nerve-wracking and it never yeah it all depends you you have to, i just have to prepare 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 Yeah, really. yeah, work, yeah. Work, work. learning lines i just have to really put the effort in that's all i really worry about is forgetting my lines yeah. i could come on stage in, in my underpants and talk, oh no <laughs> i left my costume in the dressing room but i'll be able to impro my way out of it but yeah it's it's only it's only ever about the lines i think you'll find that with most actors yeah, it's lines. I mean, talk, and, um, you, you talking about being in your pants? Uh, I think mm. I,
0: I think I saw you a good good long long time ago now at the hundred club with Barry from Watford.
1: Uh, oh yeah,
0: and you ended up in your pants at the end of the <laughs> at the end of
1: your set. Now, you see that talking about nervousness that was very liberating.
0: It looked like it was. It really, you know, it, it's a
1: bit. Un, the, the older you get, the it's, it's get it, liberation becomes a bit unedifying because. When I was when I was a kid and I was at the swimming pool, I was a bit a bit of a tubby little kid and a, at the beach, and sometimes other kids would be a bit cruel. So I would cover myself up.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I would always wear a t-shirt and, and in the swimming pool. And, and then I was doing Frankie Tan, and there's a bit where he, he's doing a whole load of impressions which get progressively worse and worse. And he does an impression which involves taking his trousers off. (laughs) And all my shirts ripped open. I'm covered in lager and blood and (laughs) toothpaste. And I'm just there in my underpants. And it felt, when I was doing it, it was just like, wow, if you'd have told the little kid in me, I'd be in front of all these people. In your pants. But I do remember... um, one of the audience members came came up and and touched my tummy, and she thought it was a prop tummy. I <laughs> said, "I thought that was a, that's real, is it?" I went, mean, "Yeah, yeah." Bolton paid for. <laughs> yeah. Not like uh, so, not like uh,
0: Alex's not like Alex's.
1: Uh, oh, why that bloke puts him through puts himself through that? I think he, he really has it. made a rod for his own back.
0: He stopped doing it now. Uh, I think he's he's just going with the glasses, the wig, and the, the teeth. Now he's you know because it was he was saying it was you know he was sitting in a pub toilet again, just yeah. trying, to, trying to put this prosthetic on his face was just
1: crazy. It, it's like when, when I used to go to fancy dress parties because I liked horror movies, I'd always try and put all this makeup on my face or wear a mask, a hideous mask, and you would sort of ruin your night. Because you you'd either have to spend like two hours in the in the toilets in front of the mirror to put it all on, yeah, yeah. When you got there, or and you had to take it all all off, or you had a stupid mask on, so you had to keep taking it off to drink, yeah. and whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. When I saw Alex dealing with all that prosthetics, <laughs> I think. Oh. Um, he's, not
0: he's a legend. No, it was an expensive, you know, it was expensive hmm. when he got it. So, I mean, yeah. I think. No, I,
1: love, I love Alex Lowe. We, we have such fun um, kvetching and gassing over the phone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's just, brilliant. the stuff he's doing with uh, with Dan Skinner, with He's yeah, yeah. A very
1: funny man. Yeah. Oh,
0: man, just incredible. He could be somebody, you know, on your, on your list to work with. Have you worked with Dan before?
1: I have. I've worked with Dan. Kevin Eldon Kevin Elden will see you now
0: Oh right, cool
1: So yeah, I, I, I am ticking them off Ticking them off That's
0: why, you, that's off. why you can't think of any Because you've, you've literally worked with everybody
1: <laughs> Literally worked with everyone In, in one, one way or another I was thinking that I've been very lucky Like I've met nearly everyone I've wanted to meet in my life Yeah Even just like ridiculous people i just think how how on earth have i met alec guinness <laughs> how on earth have i met dave allen or um billy crystal just through the job or just through chance
0: yeah yeah
1: uh, yeah i just I, I do feel very lucky what i met that? Ian jury i mean that oh wow Christ. so that that was great i've met all the all the bands i've like i've managed to meet and I've, I've been a little bit of a fanboy, I suppose, in a, in a funny kind of way. I was always the one who used to hang around the stage door after a show. And I never asked for the autograph or a photo. It was just to go, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a couple of autographs, but I never did. because I, I just wanted, I think it's, I wanted to touch the hem to feel what it was yeah. like. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, the couple of times we've met, I think, have been at gigs. It was the Duckworth Lewis gig at yeah. Lords. Was it Lords or was it...? Uh... Yeah,
1: yeah. That was a great gig.
0: Oh, they're just incredible. I mean, you know, any, any, anything Neil does, I, I love. But they're yes. such a great pairing, you know, Neil and Thomas.
1: Oh, absolutely. I remember the first time I met Neil Hannon, which was in... I mean, I'm terrible name-dropping on this, but it was just so funny being... It, very drunk in the in the back of a car with <laughs> with he didn't know who I was then, but I was again a real fanboy because I'd loved him from
0: pretty yeah. much the beginning.
1: Yeah. I think Liberation. Uh when that came out, I just thought, wow. And I was kind of oh wow, it's it's him. <laughs> it's him. And it yeah. was with um who's the the James from the Manic Street Preachers. Oh right. <laughs> And I think um Griff from um Super Furry Animals. Yeah. <laughs> in a cab with with Steve Sutherland, the editor of the enemy. Uh, ah, who I was happened to be friends with at the time. He said, Do you want to lift to this? Because it, it was at the Brat Awards. i had done a turn at the the Enemy Brat Awards. Oh, you see, that's another thing. One of that's one of my favorite things I ever had to do. I did a, a uh <laughs> It was, um, I can't remember what year it was. It was the year Firestarter had come out. Was it um, 96-ish, I would guess? 96, 97. And so that might have been when I was in the back of that car with those guys, because that would have been that time. And I came on and uh, they, Steve Sutherland said, do you want to come on stage and do your Prodigy parody? (laughs) I said, really? He goes, yeah, it'd be hilarious. So I dress up like Keith, the late, lovely Keith Flynn. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, lest we forget. And and um, and I used to do a track, uh, used to change the lyrics. It was proper Baron Knights rubbish. <laughs> I used to come on and go, I'm the tyre fitter, quick fit tyre fitter. Finest in the manner. You ask Kenneth Branner. I fit your carburettor and your starter motor. All that rubbish. And got sacked in 73 for faking MOTs and... And i do all the dance as well with the actual music. And it just went crazy. Everyone just stood up. Way! Liam Gallagher, way. And then um, Goldie, you know, the drum and bass. Yeah. Musician, he came up to me afterwards and he just had a spat with Keith Flynn. Uh, And he came up and goes, oh, man, that was brilliant. I loved that. It was fantastic. Oh, I said, thanks. Thanks very much. And then about 20 minutes later, I bumped into him again and he went, God, listen! I, I can't tell you. I really enjoyed that. I, I'll thank you. And then a bit later, I bumped into him again, and he gave me, he gave me a nice smile and a thumbs up. And then a bit later, towards it, I bumped into again. And he just blanked me <laughs> <laughs> because it was just embarrassing. What else me? can I say?
0: Yeah. Oh man, yeah. yeah, Neil's Neil's a lovely fella. As I've I've been there since the sort of uh, you know since about ninety ninety five ish, I think. Hmm. Just uh, but yeah, they're over in they're over in Europe at the moment. You know, you know, Tosh floods don't you as well? You know all those all those guys. I know Tosh,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, but no. Neil Neil is um, he he's just always really nice when he sees me because I thought, well, he remember me and he gives me a cuddle. It's really yeah, nice. he's, loved, 40, he's lovely, very like sweet. Because I had one of the, uh, uh, here we go. I'm really blowing smoke up my own ass. But one of the most amazing evenings I had was when Tom, Thomas Walsh and Neil were doing the first Duckworth Lewis method album. And they were either sequencing it or finishing off finessing it in St. John's wood. And they said, do you, do you want to come over for a drink afterwards? So yeah, all right. So came over and they said, well, we'll go back and have a drink in the hotel. So I went back to their hotel room, nothing naughty. And we, we, we cracked out the beers and they both had acoustic guitars. And I said, come on, Ed, give, give, play us a couple of songs. And then they were my virtual jukebox. And so I was just firing all these obscure divine comedy tracks. <laughs> Danil, you know. Play the Happy Goth. All right, hang on a minute. I'm going to remember the chords. Play, play Bad Ambassador. Play wow. um, Your Daddy's Car. You know, and then to Thomas, you know, play Nice to Be Nice. You know, play the, My Genius. All these great. Yeah. And I had a concert because they were alternating, and um, and then they did me some Duckworth Lewis method, and I, I'm, tears just rolling down my face with with because we were yeah. quite drunk by then, but it was I'm just. <laughs> Just had a private gig from yeah. Pugwash and the Divine Comedy. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, really, does it? No. I mean, nobody knew how big the Duck with Lewis
0: project was going to get. You know, two albums. Yeah. Uh, just crazy.
1: <laughs> I hope they do a third.
0: I don't know. I think they're saying now that they're going to knock it on the head because I think they want to they go out on a high. So who yes, knows? Who crazy. knows? They might, they might go to, I don't know, Neil's heavy into his Formula One and stuff. So uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, that brings us nicely onto music. Now, your love of music is very, very well documented. But can you tell us about your favourite bands over the years, bands that have kind of influenced you as a person?
1: Well, um, let's see. Well, well my my mum and dad, like I said, they did influence me quite a bit because my mum used to listen to a lot of easy listening, a lot of uh, Matt Monroe and Jack Jones and Petula Clark. So I'd have all of this going in by Osmosis, um, Bert Baccarat, of course, and, and Hal David, all those wonderful songs, and mm. uh, Leslie Bacuse, uh, Anthony Newley, all of this stuff. And my father, he was more into classical music and, and jazz, so I had a bit of that. My brother, he, um, he didn't really, he liked music, but it, it wasn't really his thing. But he, for some reason, ended up as the DJ at our school he built a DJ unit with his friend Alistair, and they called this DJ club DJ uh, radioactive. That's what they were called. And so I would have a, uh, I had access to a vegetable, uh, food crate, wooden food crate of of all the latest seven inch singles, from nineteen seventy seven to about nineteen seventy nine. So I had all the latest records because yeah. my brother would keep them at, at the house. So that I would be dipping into there, and, and I loved the Electric Light Orchestra. That was, and uh, the the big one for me though, after seeing him on Top of the Pops, was uh, Ian Dury, mm. the, the aforementioned Ian Dury and the Blockheads, and that that just blew me away because I'd never seen anyone like that because he was very theatrical on stage you know he'd have these little flourishes and and he's had a, a, you know a frilly handkerchief in his sleeve and, and a silver top cane and yeah yeah little union jacks on his teeth and, <laughs> and a, a razor blade earring and, yeah. and, and, and he looked like a, a bit of eyeliner had this very kind of it was like he'd escaped from a hogarthian <laughs> painting And he would sort of growl and had that sort of voice and sing about London. And uh, so he was a showman. And the music was this sort of funky disco, progressive, rubbery sort of music, which uh, amazing musicians, which nicely juxtaposed with his kind of musical... Yeah, musical Mm. uh, little vignettes and and stories. And, of course... uh, he was a bit dangerous and a bit scary, but very likable as well. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you've got the album "New Boots and Panties," which, when you hear it as a as a prepubescent, is is quite racy. It's very, very lewd and and yeah, <laughs> and yeah, profanities. Uh, so I have to be careful around the house playing that. So Ian Ian Jury was a big thing, and then of course from Ian Jury, his his sort of Younger brothers almost was Madness, who I spoke about. I just really massively into Madness, and they were kind of a slightly more user friendly Ian, Jury in the Pockets. And they were more closer to my age as well, because I think Ian was already in his 30s, mid to approaching 40, I think, Um, mid 30s, I think he was, yeah and uh, a madness well Suggs was 19 so he's about 6 years older than me so mm. he's a similar age to my brother and and uh, yeah i really they really resonated i connected with them i liked the way they looked the the, the that 60s american suits italian suits and the, and the short haircuts they looked like something out of the man from uncle or the saint so they had the look they had the 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 they had the music, and, and they were funny, yeah. the videos. So the, the, it was the comedy aspect, of course, which would appeal to me. It just had everything. All those factors was a big yes from me. So uh, madness. And then after that, you know, your tastes change, I think, once you've got your hard drive. Yeah, yeah. And then you start experimenting, don't you, when you get into your into your teens. And I went, I I went all over the place. There was a band I used to go and see called Cardiacs, um, which were uh, very uh, like progressive rock mixed with punk and ska. Mm. Used to go and see them a lot in the Um, eighties. Not, not sadly not around anymore. The lead singer Tim Smith passed away recently. Um, And then I, I really enjoyed Britpop, as well i and i know that's unfashionable to say <laughs> <laughs> no 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 you're in the you're middle right? of you like, it as well weren't you, you, know yeah, you that's right and i like i love i was i was i was really into blur and pulp and david devant and his spirit wife oh. I don't yeah he's still remember. going it.
0: he's still yeah. doing and it. i know
1: I, and i know divine comedy is hardly british but that they i sort of <laughs> fit them in with all of that but i like like most people, I think, you, you you like everything. I was into punk. I was into The Damned. I loved XTC. Massive. I mean, I really, they're next to madness for me. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that band. Uh, Elvis Costello and the Attractions. All the new waivers. Um, Buzzcocks, The Clash. Pistols. And reggae. A lot of reggae. Uh, yeah. And I, I think I my music tastes got weirder and weirder. <laughs> into bands like Stump and The Residents and, 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 oh, anyway. I went explored outwards from there, um, film soundtracks, but I could just list a load of stuff. I got into Electronica late, much later on with Aphex Twin and, mm. and all the Warp record stuff. Wow. And that brought basis. me nicely. Yeah, nicely ran. I got to friendly with a band called Eye Monster, which had a hit about 20-odd years ago, called Daydream in Blue. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that. It's you know, Daydream, I like to see it amongst the flowers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they did the theme to uh, Shaun of the Dead. So I got to work with them, uh, with Jared Gosling, and we did an album. We did an album. I wrote some lyrics for for a song, helped come up with the name of this band, helped come up with it, and uh, introduced um, the two jared and cecilia who cecilia who was in matt berry's band and this album's uh brilliant i think cobalt chapel little plug there uh so yeah so i, I that's the closest i've ever had to be, being in the rock world as being involved in that i did have a band i was in a band at drama school we were called the mole grips <laughs> where we basically did cover versions we were yeah cross between bad manners the blues brothers and Tom Waite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what were you, were you a singer or a...
1: Well, a vocalist.
0: vocalist I wouldn't yeah. go
1: as far as to say <laughs> a singer. I mean, you should have heard our version of Happy Hour. <laughs> it was like a miserable hour, more like. But you suddenly realise how hard those songs are, how they effortless. Yeah. These bands make these singles.
0: Yeah, yeah. It seems to be a very common thing, doesn't it? You know, young guys getting into bands in college and, you know, just, you know, around that age. Yes. Making those connections. Again, making connections and
1: things stemming from that. And I can't, it must be so hard for, if you're a band now, it's so expensive, isn't it? With the equipment, the rehearsing, and you're not even going to be selling any records. Mm. So hard to get to play in any any venues, and yeah. you end up with Mumford and Sons. Really, the only <laughs> other people who can afford to do it.
0: <laughs> no, you hear you they never, make all their money on on merch. You know, That's, that's where they yeah. make their money. You know, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that band we it was uh, we did about six seven gigs, and that was that. We had a brass section, and oh wow, it was brilliant. And there's so many people in the band. You need to have a reunion, no. get the band back together. You know, well, we you know. were thinking about it, uh, but it, the logistics of doing that is so expensive. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. It's, it's always a factor. T- Time-consuming, and then you, there's a certain amount of arrogance as well, isn't there? <laughs> yes. It's got to be resonant to the people who came along and enjoyed it, but then you've got to get them all together, and then that would just be a drama school reunion, yeah. and the last thing they're going to want to do is sit and watch us <laughs> Murder, yeah. murder, no more heroes by the stranger.
0: <laughs> you never know, you never know. There could be a new a resurgence, you know, yeah. release, a vinyl release, yeah, you know, of an album kind of thing. Um, I mean, so best live band you've seen, I'm guessing it's probably going to be Madness. Best live band you've seen,
1: uh, well, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, Madness have done some fantastic gigs, yes. I saw a brilliant one recently, um, in 2019 up in Edinburgh. Mm which I thought they were fantastic. Uh, They did one at the uh, Kenwood House with David Arnold, conducting a big orchestra. That was great. Uh, Yeah, they've done loads of of fabulous gigs. Uh, My favourite gig I've ever been to was a band called Fishbone. Right. Who were this uh, from the West Coast, I believe. And they used to play funk Funk metal, ska, uh, jazz, reggae, hardcore, speed metal—you know—they do it. They throw everything wow. in, in, into the pot. Yeah, and those gigs—I went to one at the Astoria, and it's just wild. If you just YouTube and, and just take a look, it was—they're amazing. Oh, They're
0: the like Astoria, a, though the Astoria. I, a, I sound
1: like a. Yeah, the Astoria. What, what a venue.
0: The, the LA2. What a venue. Oh, man. Just so many happy nights spent in the LA2 and the Astoria. You yeah, know. yeah.
1: Run by crooks, apparently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I, heard securi- I heard
1: that too. I heard that too. The door security were bloody terrifying there. <laughs> now, Fishbone, they would, they, the trombonist, would, would be playing his trombone and then he'd throw it into the audience. Then it'd get thrown back again and he'd carry on the solo. Then we do the those whirlpool, you know, where you all run in a circle, like this big eddy. That was fantastic. And it just created this... We were just a giant washing machine. <laughs> and then Angelo, the lead singer, disappears. And right. the next thing we know, he's on in the gods. He's on top of a balcony, <laughs> dives. No. Um, and he's, he's got no top on. Dives... F- about 20 feet into the crowd, catch him, crowd surfs back onto the stage to finish the track. I, I, <laughs> that was amazing. Wow. The, another an, another uh, lovely gig um, was Brian Wilson when he first came back with Pet Sounds. Mm. That was, I don't know when that was, 17? See, that's a long time ago. I mean, used yeah. to think he was old then. <laughs> The first Pet Sounds gig, that, that was beautiful. Uh, the first gig I ever saw, maybe that's always the best gig, which was, I think, 40 years ago, the beat, or mm. the English beat. Yeah, yeah. And I remember it was at the top rank in Brighton, and I remember thinking it was so loud. Because I'd never seen a I I had seen a live band, but on holiday. But they'd just be a kind of holiday camp band playing "Tie Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree" or something like that. This is the way to Amarillo. So the beat. What a great band to to be your first band. Although strictly speaking, the first band would have been the support band, who were the Welsh band, The Alarm. Oh really? Wow. Oh my god! Sixty-eight guns. So they were probably the first band, and it was a yeah that yeah first gigs is always very significant, aren't they? I've been to loads of great gigs, some bloody awful ones as well.
0: <laughs> that's I think that's the beauty of not being a stand. Do you know not if you're not doing stand-up? Do you know what I mean? Your evenings mm. are, are relatively, mm. relatively your own. Yes. You know a lot oh, of stand-ups. Like they're that. working on a Saturday, Friday night, Saturday night.
1: They wouldn't necessarily be able to go and see any bands at all. No, it's true. True. I never thought of it like that. I got Odella Soul. That was a good one. That was when um, they were promoting the first Three Feet High and Rising in 89. Because I thought, how is a rap gig going to work? But it did. Gorillas. I saw them with Thomas in Dublin. Yeah. Another fantastic. That was Plastic Beach. They're promoting that. That was brilliant. brilliant. I said brilliant again. <laughs> Fast show.
0: <laughs> yeah, we just bleep every time you say amazing or brilliant. We just have, yeah,
1: just, yeah. Lots of bleeps. It's right. it's a, it's a skill doing these podcasts. I think we yeah. listen to other people and they're so articulate. <laughs> You know, I mean, else, you've, done do you so, know?
0: you've done so much, you know, when I'm looking, you've done so many of my favourite TV shows over the year, you've, you know, it's a bit right. like talking to Alex Lowe and I was like, well, God, you, you were in The Fast Show and you've done this and you've done this and he said, yeah, but I was in it for like two minutes.
1: I, yeah, well, is, I was in
0: it? one sketch and, you know, and, and I'm kind of remembered for being in The Fast Show for like in what, literally one sketch.
1: It's and funny, it, isn't it? What what you get remembered for. yeah yeah maybe I mean, I it's sure.
0: like spaced do you know what i mean like there's all these all these yeah. these uh these shows are coming back and they're all like cult mm. you know it's all cult uh, cult tv now
1: when you know you 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 you've done well is it's it's funny what when what things are considered to be oh well done paul was there my mum and dad said they had more people ringing them up about the time that I was an uh, an answer on pointless than anything else I've ever done. <laughs> That's great. And this, I scored zero. <laughs>
0: oh, my God, you're a pointless answer.
1: I'm oh, wow. a pointless answer. So there you go. And then a, a couple of things on the radio I've done where my parents... Oh, what was it? No, Downton Abbey. That was one that they got yeah. the phone calls and, and called the midwife. But even when I did a, I did a film called Paris Je T'aime, proper, you know, big feature film with uh, loads of, an, an astonishing cast. I, I try and find a film which has got a cast as amazing as this, just everyone. I mean, it was an anthology, so you had lots of little short stories. Right, right, yeah. But you had so many famous actors in it. So I could say I was in a film with a... Bob Hoskins, William Defoe, Gerald <laughs> Depardieu, Ben Gazzara—you know I could, Steve Buscemi. I'm not, none of them are in my bit, but I could say I was in a film. With yeah, them.
0: exactly. Exactly. Take
1: the and credit. I, yeah, I went up the red carpet, and it and it, it was a phenomenal experience. But my brother will still say, "Yeah," and it it might lead on to something. <laughs> and I said, "No, this is that was the thing. That's the something that you see." <laughs> But because it was it was French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you
0: know.
1: Oh, yeah. Very yeah, well.
0: Um, so have you got anything coming up in the pipeline, acting wise, TV-wise? Uh,
1: I've got a little project that's coming up, which I'm hoping to get out there soon of my own. And I'm also trying to write a book. But what was it that Peter Cook says? <laughs> yes, I'm not doing that either. Was it? <laughs> yeah no but it is i''m i'm, I'm yeah i'm writing up a, a kind of autobiographical book nice yeah um not a full autobiography based based on the madness show yeah and uh yes and, and a little little kind of uh, comedy thing which uh of a nostalgic tint
0: ah oh.
1: that uh could be quite fun yeah. but i until i've actually got that up and running i i I'm going to not say too much about it at the moment. Otherwise, you get asked in two years' time. <laughs>
0: yeah, where's that? where was that project you were talking
1: about? Yeah, you said you were going to do this whole thing with the comedy Milkman. <laughs> where's that book? Yeah. Where's that book you yeah. were writing? Yeah, set in Yugoslavia. What's that? Yeah, well, that's the thing. You... When I did that with The Madness Show, I just kept telling people I'm doing this show, even though... <laughs> I hadn't even started writing it because I thought you'll never do it.
0: Yeah, unless you say you're going to do it. And you say you're, you're going to do it. it because
1: it'd be really embarrassing if um if you, they ask you sort of ten years down. Oh, you did you ever do no no, no. <laughs> procrastinating.
0: You could do like Michael Palin. Do you know what I mean? And, and sort of do uh, periods of your life in one book, and then then it could be like a series of books. For your life do you know yeah. what i mean you could like the first the first 10 years could be one book and then you know you could have a 10-year periods
1: i i don't think i can quite compete with <laughs> michael palin's life <laughs> a man who's in one of the most groundbreaking brilliant brilliant comedies ever and toured the world have you worked with michael palin um no oh
0: there we go there's there's that the one for the no room. i haven't
1: i haven't worked with michael palin there you go.
0: That's the one for the list. Morgana
1: and Michael Palin.
0: But um, yeah, so thank you so much for chatting with me today, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Yeah, and, and feelings mutual. It's, it's uh, what do they call it? It's a bit of therapy, isn't it,
0: really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking back over your life. It's like this is your life on a
1: podcast. Looking back over <laughs> your life. <laughs>